Okay, good morning everyone. Welcome <clears throat> to the Life and Torah of our Leaders. Live Tuesday mornings, 11.30 with First Seder Bismedrish, firstseder.org. <clears throat> Wonderful program. Um, we'd like to give a special welcome to our Torah Anytime viewers and listeners who will Bez Hashem be joining this year. And uh, we mentioned last time that we're starting a series on Svardashigadolim with the Ben Ishchai. And Baruch Hashem, we have a corporate sponsor this week, um, and that is Shas for Shiduchim. Shas for Shiduchim program, which is going to take place on Tu Bishvat in just about two weeks. It's a uh, learning all of Shas in one day as a schus for Shiduchim. So go to Shas4 with the number 4, Shas4Shaduchim.org to become a sponsor, to become a loymaid. And it's a wonderful program under the auspices of Harav Reb Shmuel first, Zozan Gesund and Stark. And uh, you might ask me, so why is it that Shas for Shaduchim is sponsoring a shir on the Ben Ishchai? So <coughs> the answer to that is because you might ask what Tu Bishvat has to do with Shaduchim. Tu Ba'av, we know, has to do with Shaduchim, Chamish Asr Ba'av. But the Ben Ishchai in Parshas Devarim says that Api Kabbalah, the months of Teves and Shvat, correspond to the months of Tammuz and Av. So Av and Shvat are like sister months, so to speak. And uh, we could extrapolate from there that if Tu Ba'av is a day of Shaduchim, Tu B'Shvat also has the schoolers of Shaduchim, and therefore that is why Shas for Shaduchim, which will take place on Tu B'Shvat, Be'ezus Hashem, is sponsoring today's shir on the Ben Ishchai. And thank you to all those who made that happen. Okay, let's talk about the Ben Ishchai, Rabbi Yisif Chaim from Baghdad who was Nifter Yud Gimel Elul Tov Reish Samach Tes in the year 1909. So his grandfather was named Rav Moshe Chaim. Actually, the name Chaim was his grandfather's father. We found that even by the Ashkenazim, like Rav Shamshin, Rafal Hirsch. His name was Shamshin. His father's name was Rafal. But they took on sometimes, like the one uh, we mentioned this many times, that they, they would put their father's name at the end of their name. So his father's name was Moshe Chaim. He was the Rosh Av Bezdin in Baghdad. In those days in Baghdad, and this is a whole new world for us, Bez Hashem, we hope to explore the Svardash Gedolim. In those days in Baghdad, there were two leaders to the city. There was the Nasi. He was like the liaison between the community and the government. And then there was the Reish Bezdin, who was the, um, uh, he was the uh, head of all the Ruchnias, the Reish of Ruchnias in the city. Now, when he came to the city, there's a lot of stories how this happened, but he d- made that the minig of the city was that they followed the Psokim of the Chida. In the Sefer Oil Yaakov, from Rabbi Yaakov Haroife, um, on page 72 there, he writes, Poy in Baghdad, Basre Morana Beis Yosef, we follow the Psak of the Beis Yosef, Bedine Isra, Medine Mominus, whether it comes to monetary issues or to issues of Isra. But uvedine gitim v'kedushin, when it comes to areas of divorce and marriage, noagula hachmer, we're more stringent than the Beis Yosef, and we follow either the Marit al-Ghazi or the Chidah, we have this Kabbalah from the <coughs> Elder One, the Sabah B'mishpatim, B'reinu Rav Moshe Chaim. And the Ben Ishchai actually brings, a, actually quotes this Sefer in his Chuvis Rav Pa'olim, Ebenezer, Simen Yud. Um, 
Now in Rav Palam Chelek Dalit or Achayim Beis, he brings a very interesting thing that his grandfather, this Rav Moshe Chaim, um, he passed all the tefillin in Baghdad because they were not squared properly. Someone had come and uh, told him that he could teach them how to do the squares much better, and he passed all the tefillin in Baghdad, and he said until everybody gets a new pair of tefillin, no one, you should put on the tefillin, but not make a bracha. And the, and the Ben Yishchai writes, V'chein haya, shekol hakol, mikotin v'agodol, kulom le'barucho al tefillin, nobody made a bracha on the tefillin. And he says, V'afopisha haya hadover, koshem oid eitzel nesiyeh ho'ir, even though this was a very hard thing, against the leaders, the, the leaders in the Tamidah Chamim of the city to say that for who knows how long people weren't yoyed to the mitzvah of tefillin, im kalzelo yecholu la'akev hadover, nobody was able to stop it, ki miyucha liftayach piv lifnei harav, moiri zikani, who was able to open their mouth in front of the Rav, my grandfather, Zechrayim Milavracha. And he made many, many takanas, he made a revolution in Baghdad, and he was misakim many things in Inyanim of Shechita, and other things as well. Um, in the <coughs> excuse me, in the end of the Sefer Rav Brachas that Rabbi Yosef Chaim wrote, he brings two chuvas about an aguna or agunas that his grandfather wrote, and he wrote a, called it a special country called Devar Moshe. So Rav Moshe Chaim was nifter in the year 1837 Ches Sivan. Now before he was nifter, he already appointed one of his some of his talmidim to fill his place as the Rosh Av Bezdin. So when he was Nifter, his son, Revelio, was took over, but only certain parts of his job. He took over the part that he was able to be the Darshan on three Shabbosas of the year. And we'll expound on that when we get to Rabbi Yosef Chaim. But that was one job, that he is the one to Darshan in three special Shabbosas of the year. And he also took over the position of Gabbai Tzedakah, but he was not the Ravid. He was not the Avvezdin, because that was taken over by Talmidim. And there was a whole to do with him. There was a point that the people wanted to take over, and they wanted him to open the books of being the Gabbai Tzedakah, and he refused to open the books to show what was going on. And uh, later on, I think after he was Nifter, they found out that the reason why he didn't want to open the books is because he was giving a lot of money of his own as Tzedakah, and he did not want anyone to know that that's where the money was coming from. Rebbe Leo had a son. His oldest son was Rebbe Yosef Chaim, born in the month of Av, 1835, Tav Kuf Tzadi Hei. Now, in the Hakdama to the Sefer Binayahu, Binayahu is the first Sefer in the set of Ben Yehayada, um, and uh, he writes there that, I mean, he doesn't write there, it's written there in the Akdama that he went, when Rabbi Yosef Chaim was four or five years old, so his father asked him in Parshas Bereshis, how did Hashem say to uh, Adam and Chava, Ayeka, where are you? Doesn't Hashem know everything? So Rabbi Yosef Chaim, as a little boy of four or five years old, answered that Ayeka is the Roshay Tevas, Anoichi Yodeya Kol Hanistores. I know all the hidden things. And that's exactly what Hashem was telling him, that don't think, Ayeka, I'm asking you where you are, I actually know everything that's going on. <coughs> when he was about seven years old, he fell into a well and he almost drowned. And he was saved. And uh, many years later, when his Talmud, Reb Shimon Agassi, was masbidim, he said that Reb Yosef Chaim had a nitzitz. His neshama was a spark from Yosef HaTzadik because there were numerous things in his life 
that were similar to Yosef HaTzadik, one of them being thrown in or, or falling into a, to a pit. Um, in his preface to Imre Biner, Rabbi Yosef Chaim writes, Yaldusi, This has been my way since I was young. To love uh, Mishalim, parables. And that's why very often he uses parables throughout his Svarim, Mishalim, and stories. The words of Chachamim and their riddles. And to become smart from the depth of their logic. To drink the pure water that flows from the mouths of the Rabbonon, Tanoi, Amiroi, Chachmi, Hadoirois. So from when he was young already, he was delving into the depth of the Divrei Chachamim. When he was 14 years old, the Chachmi Yerushalayim sent a Shailah to his father about Esraigim. And while his father was looking into the Shailah, young Rabbi Yosef Chaim wrote a tshuva and sent it off to Yerushalayim. Later on, when his father answered the Chachmi Yerushalayim, they wrote him back that your son already paskined uh, the Shiloh. Ashrei Yeladetai. Now, <clears throat> the, um, his Rebbe was Reb Abdullah Saimech. <clears throat> he was one of the Talmidim of his grandfather, Reb Moshechayim. Reb Abdullah, you should just know Abdullah is a... Uh, is a um, is an Arab name, but really it's the Arabic of Oivadja. Oivadja is Oivadka, he who serves Hashem. Abdullah is Abad, is the Eved of Allah. Allah is referring to Hashem. <coughs> so the name Abdullah, the, a lot of the Sephardish Gedolim use their Arabic names are used. Rev Abdullah Saimich, like we said, was a Talmud of his Zaydur Moshe. In Ben Yohayah, the Gittin Yudzayin Amad Aleph, Rabbi Yosef Chaim writes, Kadavina Talia, when I was young, Hayinu Laimdi Mesech de Gittin, we were learning Mesech de Gittin, Beniskasha Bazem Meirizal, and my Rabbi um, didn't understand this, and he brings the Teretz there, Vachesh Eteratzilai Bisiata Dishmaya Teretzu, and after I answered this question, Vahutav Beinav, and he was happy with the answer, he told me, I have another question in a Taisvis in Yavamis. And I, the Eved, I answered him, and he was very happy with it. He brings me Mary Varabi, Rav Abdullah, many times. And Gittin, earlier in Gittin, that was Gittin Yudzai, and Gittin, I think, um, Yudbeis, he writes, Kadavina Talia, Korov Liyud Cheshanim. When I was young, about 18 years old, we were learning Mesach to Gittin again, and, um, and he's quoting from his Rebbe there. Um, in Rav Paulim, in his Chuvas, in Chelek Beis, Yerdeh Simen Zayd, he writes that when Rav Avdala was very old, um, he sent a kuntris, a notebook, of his Hagois An Yerdeya from Simen Aleph to Simen Kufchav Beis, and in his Anibus, he asked me to look at them. There's a whole story over there. Basically, um, he's writing that this the question that was being asked to him, um, and they were quoting Reb Abdullah. He said he had sent me that, and I told him that he, he, he was incorrect, he made a mistake, but he didn't have time to fix it. Very interesting story. But Lamaisa, his Rebbe, sent him Shilas later on in life when his uh, Rebbe was very old and he was older. At the age of 18, he married his wife, Rachel. She was the daughter of Rabbi Yehuda Samech, who was a brother-in-law and a cousin of his Rabbi, Rabbi Abdullah Samech. Um, <clears throat> he became, he was, uh, like we said, he was, uh, he was a going already at this time. And when he was 21 years old, in the year Tafresh Yudches, Rav Chaim Palaji, 
who was the Rav in Izmir of Turkey, one of the Gedaili Hadar, he was a Zakein at the time, he was Kamat 70 years old, and he wrote a tshuva to him, and he, and he wrote unbelievable um, titles, Divrei Pi Chacham Chein, the words of the Chacham, Mizera HaMalucha HaChacham HaShalem Hadayan HaMetsuyan. So this is one of the Gedaili Hadar writing to Rabbi Yosef Chaim at the age of, um, at the age of 21. In the year Tafresh Yudtes Zion Elul, which is 1859, his father Rebbe Leo was Nifter. A few months before that, in Parshas Bahar, his father Rebbe Leo had gotten an Aliyah, and the Balkaire had shown him the Pasuk he's going to start from in Parshas Bahar that started off Vimaat Nishar Bashanim. If there's only a few years that are left, and Rebbe Leo was very um, into Ramazim and Simanim, and he got nervous, and he told him to start from the Pasuk earlier that says, Vim if there's many years left. But Lamaisa, he got sick a little bit after that, and he was nifter in the month of Elul, Zion Elul, Tafresh Yutes. Right after the Shiva, they appointed Rabbi Yosef Chaim to be Mamala Makam of his father. Now, <clears throat> an interesting thing is that the Minig in Baghdad at the time was that in Avel, all 12 months of his Avelus, he would wear black clothing. Even on Shabbos, he would wear black clothing, not, not even not, not regular clothing, not Shabbos clothing, but black clothing is in Avelus. And the Ben Ishchai in Shana Bey's Parashas Lech Lecha, Ois Yud Ches, he writes, Those who wear weekday clothing on Shabbos during their months of Avelos, and some of them wear black, they're making a mistake, they're doing an Isser. He says, My father um, would switch his clothing for Shabbos and Yontif when he was in Avel, and his father and his mother, and myself and my brothers did the same thing, after my father's Ptira, um, now they did it, it seems they did it only after the Shloshim. It sounds like during the Shloshim they tack a war, not Shabbos Dika Begodim, because that's the Ikra Avelis in the Shloshim. And after the Shloshim, me and my brothers, we started wearing, uh, changing our Begodim on Shabbos. But he writes an interesting thing. We didn't wear Shabbos Begodim, we had special clothing made for the Shabboses of that year, which sounds like they weren't as fancy, but they were clearly not black Avelistika clothing, and with that, they changed the Minig in Baghdad, which is interesting, because even though his father already didn't do that Minig, as he writes, however, it seems him and his brothers, they changed the Minig in Baghdad. So that year in Tafresh Chaf, Shabbos 1859, he darshaned for the first time to be Mamala Mokam of his father, and again, we'll get to the Drushas in a moment. His 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 seder hayoyim was every day he would daven vasikin he would go to shul in his talis and tefillin and after davening in his talis and tefillin he would learn with balabatim for about an hour and a half it was divided into three parts he would learn halacha shulchan aruch arachaim and yaredeya and it was a four year cycle to finish the halachas of arachaim and yaredeya and um, after a four year cycle he would make a big siyum for uh, for the lindim of the shir. Part of it would be Agada, like an Ein Yaakov, and that is, a lot of that shear is the foundation of his Svarim, Binayahu uh, and Ben Yehoyada, and the, uh, the Agadas of Shas. And at the end, he would learn Musr and Yerushamayim, like the Sefer Reish's Chachma, and uh, things similar to that. Every Shabbos in the afternoon, men, women, and children would come to a drasha. They would give in the main shul for three hours, he would give this drasha. Men, women, and children. 
In the beginning, the drushes were in Tafresh Chaf when he started. The drushes were on the Parsha and on the Haftarah. And in Tafresh Chaf Dalit, he printed some of the drushes in a sefer called Aderes Eliyahu, named after his father Eliyahu. Um, but those drushes that he printed Aderes Eliyahu were just on the Parsha, not on the Haftarah. In his Akdama to Ben Ishchai, he writes that for the Haftairahs, Ru'uyim, Liyoy Sefer Gadol Bifnei Atzmai, they should really be a Sefer, a big Sefer, Bifnei Atzmai, by themselves, in Yazer Hashem, if Hashem will help, that I'll be able to print it. But then he writes in Ben Ishchai that that went on for 10 years. But after the year Tuf Reish Lamed, so that is 1870, he says, Ola I decided that during the Jerusha and the Parsha, I'm going to mention some halachas on Orachayim in Yoridea. And he says, It's a Dover Yadu, it's well known that just to Darshan halachas, ain't leiv hamoy nimshech achareim. People don't pay attention so much. It gets a little dry and boring. He says, The Iker Jrasha has to be, and most of it has to be Agada and Musur. Kedei limshech leiv ha'am, so that people should pay attention to it and they should hear about it. So, but then he was able to throw in, once they were listening, it was part of the Jrasha, um, basic halachas that were necessary. But then he writes, it's not possible to finish all the halachas, practical halachas in one year. So he says, therefore, I have a two-year cycle, and every two years I start again. And that is why in the Sefer Ben Ishchai, it's split into two. Bereshis to Vezayis HaBracha Shana Aleph, and Bereshis to Vezayis HaBracha Shana Beis, because it was a two-year cycle. And this was a, a, a revolutionary um, point, a turning point in the, in the Svardisha world, because the Ben Ishchai became like the Kitzur Shulchan Aruch or the Chayei Adam, whichever safe you want to compare it to in the Ashkenazi world. This is like the Paisik Achron, so to speak. You, for Hamoinam, for the regular people who don't learn Shulchan Aruch, you go there and that's where you learn the basic Halachas. Ad Hayei Mazeh, that's the Ben Ishchai, um, is that uh, uh, fundamental safer for Bnei Svarat. Now, <clears throat> He, his, his only official job that he had, and he never took an official position in the city, even though he was recognized as the god of the city, is that he inherited from his father to Darshan three Shabbosas of the year. There were three Shabbosas of the year that only one person was allowed to Darshan in the entire Baghdad. No one else in all the other shuls that they had, no one was allowed to say a drasha. And those Shabbosas were Shabbos Shuvah, Shabbos Hagadol, and Shabbos Parshas Zohar. When Rabbi Yosef Chaim took over this job from his father, he added in a fourth Shabbos, he called it Shabbos Kala, and that is the Shabbos before Shavuos. On that Shabbos, everyone would come to the main shul in Baghdad. You would have close to 10,000 people, men and women and children as well, would come and he would darshan for four hours. These, some of these drushes were printed in the Sefer Ben Ishchayel. And he writes in the Hakdama there, he says that even though the minig by many people is to darshan a pilpul, like a shtikotayra, a lamdus, and this is in the Ashkenazi world, that's for sure, minig uh, Rabbi Yisav Nechemia, Zechrein Levracha writes, was minig ludairis, and he has a lot of um, mahalchim and why that is, but there was a minute to darshan pilpul. He says many people do that, but I didn't do that. Says Rebbe of Chaim. He says ki akol hakibutsu bikol rav. This gathering here is a big congregation. Not everyone understands all of these things, and even if there are some chachamim labdanim, he says risi bnei aliyah But most of the people are regular common folks, so to speak, and they don't wouldn't understand all the shtiklach taira. And the drasha, he says, was be'ikr for the hamaynam. They should know the halachas before Pesach and things like that. 
and they should be misar to tshuva. So therefore, they need agada that is shava lechal nefesh. And he writes over there interesting thing. He says those darshanim who darshans pilpul. He says their svarim are munachem karen zavis. People don't use their svarim. The people who darshaned in a way that people can understand, everyone uses their svarim. So that is how he uses drushes. Now can you imagine uh, 10,000 people, his voice was able to be heard by everybody. Everybody was able to be, hear his voice, it was a pella. And again, he spoke for four hours. When his son, after he was nifter, took over this job, and he came to speak the first time, everybody started screaming louder, louder. And he said... He says, uh, I'm not able to do it. He said that my father was able to do it. It's something, It's something that not a human being can't do this. Maybe it was the Shechina that was speaking, and that gave the power for his voice to be heard by everyone. Um, Zion Elul, his father's yard site, he would also give a drasha, and he printed some of them in a sefer called Shnei and he writes over there in the beginning that on that day, the Chachamim would come to his house and they would learn together and then he would say a drasha. He would also say drashas be'es sara at times that there were tsaras. For example, if there was a drought, he would ma'ira people to do tshuva, like in the year 1870, um, that there was a big drought and, and, and it was spent a day in, in Shul and uh, that night um, Itaka rained. Now, to understand, you know, as we said, Rabbi Moshe Bar Amoin writes that he says, or he told over to Rabbi Yisav Chaim's son, he said, the first time that I stood in front of him, I couldn't even believe what I was seeing. He says, there was a shine to him, there was a glory to him, as if the Shechina was resting on him. Um, he says, in front of me was a holy person that, so to speak, his whole being was saying, there's a glory here, and there's an, at the same time there's an anivos, there's a humility. He wore the big day svarad, the, uh, the special clothing that Rabbonne svarad wear, these long uh, cloaks. And uh, Rabbi Yaakov Hillel, Zangazuntin Stark, says that there's a Messira that the clothing that the Rabbanim of Svarad had to wear was Doimel Bigdei Havis, was similar to the Bigadim that the Avis Hakadoshim used to wear. And he wore this fancy turban on his head, and this is a turban worn by the Rabbanim, the Svardish Rabbanim. In Rav Paolim, in his Chuvis, Chelek Aleph, or Achaim Chavav, he actually explains how to wrap this turban. It's a whole process to put on this turban and wrap it properly. And he goes through halachic shaila if you're allowed to fix it on Shabbos, if he comes a little unraveled. It might be considered tikkun kli, because it's such a complex way of, of wrapping it. On top of everything he wore, a special bege was called Chaluka de Rabbonon. It's brought down in the Gemara that the Rabbonon in Bavel used to wear a special cloak called Chaluka de Rabbonon. In Ben Yohayyado, Kedushin, Ayin Beis, he writes, They wear this outer cloak, and he talks about it has very big sleeves to it, and things like that. And he says, I also, when I got married, I put on this beged. He writes, Now it's Israel, they wore different begadim, but you see from the Gemara, the Tamidei Chachamim in Bavel wore this special cloak, Chaluka de Rabbanon. He was a parish from Eilam Hazeh in Nakdama to, uh, 
to banish Chayal, his son writes, Yoga b'tayra basaretz b'ayisav, he toiled in Tyre with his ten fingers, and he did not benefit from this world, even with a small finger, he didn't taste the taste of a bed, he didn't go to sleep in a bed, he wouldn't know when he we, we lay down in it, meaning he never lay in a bed, he would fall asleep learning, they even say he continued to write even after he fell asleep a little bit, I think. Um, his Anivas, as we said before, his, his whole being said, Kulo Emer Va'anava. Like we said, he didn't accept any official position in the city except to say those drushas. And even those drushas, when he gave Musr on Shabbat for example, Ben Ishchayel, um, page Tezayin Amad he writes that whoever stands on this podium, Mechuyev Lechiach, he's obligated to rebuke people. He says, Vanoichi, Ho'evet, Eini Kedai Lechiach. Who am I to rebuke Kla Yisrael? He says, but I'm a messenger of the Torah of Hashem. Why? The fact that I'm standing here obligates me to say the Teichacha, even though I'm not roy for it. And over there in Ben Yishchayel, Yudalud Amar Aleph, he says a similar thing. Clearly, um, even when he had to rebuke and he had to give Musar, there was a tremendous amount of humility and anivos that was involved. He was, of course, an umbl- a, a great mekubal, and involved in Kabbalah, he wrote Tzvarim and Kabbalah. He wrote a sefer called Shuvi, Shuvi Ashulamis that he writes on the title page, Lo'erer, Goido Chiyuv Limina Kabbalah, to awaken the, um, the great Chiyuv to learn Kabbalah. But he gave special hadracha and guidance to people when's the proper time to learn Kabbalah, how to learn Kabbalah. It wasn't a free-for-all, but he felt it was a very important um, limud. And he was recognized as from the Gedele Kabbalah, not just amongst the Svardim, but Ashkenazim as well. The Leshem Shvoi Vachlama, the, Rev, uh, Rev, Rev, the, 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 uh, the grandfather of Rav Yashiv, Rav Shloim El Yashiv, the Baal HaLeshem from the great Litvisha um, Mekubalim, he said that Rabbi Yosef Chaim was a Yochid B'doyre B'Kabbalah. He was uh, unique in his generation in Kabbalah. The Ridvaz, the Rav of Slutsk, um, Later in Svas, also said the Rabbi Yisif Chaim, the Rav of Baghdad, is Baki Bechala Teru Kabbalah. So he was recognized across the board as his greatness in Kabbalah. He had a special love for Eretz Yisrael. He would send enormous amounts of stock to Eretz Yisrael. He dafka printed all his farm in Eretz Yisrael to be able to support them as well. And finally, in, in the year 1869, in Chavdal Nisan, he went and he traveled for a visit in Eretz Yisrael for the first time. And there, he visited the yeshiva in Beisel of Mikubalim, which uh, Tamidim of his uh, Zayd, I think, were, um, were, were there. And um, he was able to talk to them, and he always had a desire to, to meet with that yeshiva, Mikubalim. He went to Hebron, to the Mara Samachpela. Now it's interesting, at that time the Arabs did not let anyone into the Mars HaMachpelah. As is well known, they only allowed you to go on the seventh step by the wall there. Even nowadays people go to that seventh step because they say it's closest to the Ma'ara. So you only got to the seventh step, but that wasn't enough. Um, they would throw the arrows, would throw stones at any Jews who came there, and they would mock them, and they would hit them, and they would pull their clothing, and... Um, now, by the southern wall of the Mars HaMachpelah, there was like a fortress, they say, I don't know exactly what it is, that was built by the Crusaders, and in Arabic it was called like a Kala or Kala, I don't even know how to pronounce it, I don't think it's there anymore. 
And even the, the Arabs said they, they held it as a very holy place and actually a scary place. They didn't allow people in there. But Yosef Chaim wanted to go in there and he started going in and they started, Rabbi Yosef Chaim, they started screaming at him and one grabbed his hand and one grabbed his clothing and they pushed, physically did not let him in and he was very upset about it. And the next day he went over to the leader of the gang or the group, whoever it was, and he uh, gave him some money and to bring him inside. And Rabbi Yosef Chaim said he saw that that place is right above the actual Ma'ara, and it's a Mokum Kaddish. And he said, he promised himself there that on his way back to Baghdad, he's going to stop in Damascus, in Damascus, in Syria on the way, and there was a very rich person there, Shmaya Angel, and he's going to ask him to actually purchase this part of the building from the Arabs to turn it into a shul. And we'll see what happened afterwards. After that, he went to Meiron. He was in Meiron on Lag Boimer, and that's where he composed the famous song Vamartem Koylechoy Rabbi Shimon Bar Yechoy. That was uh, was composed by the Ben Ishchai at the cover of Rabbi Shimon Bar Yechoy on Lag Boimer. He also went to the cover of Benoyahu Ben Yehoyada. Benoyahu Ben Yehoyada was David Amelech's uh, general. And the Gemara and Brachas Yurches Amid Beis explains the pasuk in Shmuel Beis Chaf Gimel Chaf that talks about Benoyo Ben Yoyada. The pasuk says there Ben Ishchai Rav Paolim Mikabtsiel. And the Gemara Darshan's how each one applies to Benoyo Ben Yoyada. And it seems uh, some say that at the kever it was revealed to him unbelievable Chachma in Torah. And because of that, that's why he named his Sfarim based on these names of Benoyah Ben Yoyada. One of his sefers called Benoyahu. One's called Ben Yoyada. Ben Ishchai. Ben Ishchayel. Rav Paolim. Mikabziel. These are all names of some of his Sfarim based on he felt that he received um, a Chachma at the kever of Benoyahu um, Ben Yoyada. So when he left Eretz Yisrael on the way back, he actually sta- stopped in Damascus, in Damascus, and he went to this um, Reb Shmaya angel, and he wanted him to purchase this part of the Maraz Hamachpela. And I guess they worked it out with the government in Damascus. They sent a message to the governor in Yushalayim, who seemed to agree to it. And there was a Shiloh just how much money when they sent to Hevra in a message to measure the area to see how much money it's going to be. So the uh, the Muslim judge over there when we got very angry, the Jews can't buy it, and he got some money together that the Arabs should buy it. I guess the government owned it themselves. I know exact details. Lamaisa it didn't work out, and eventually it didn't work out that the, that uh, this Reb Shemaya was able to buy this piece of the uh, Maras HaMachpelah. Now, on his way back, and it's not really on the way back, it's a little bit out of the way, he went more north to Kurdistan, Kurdistan area in Iraq, to a city called Nitzivim. You might remember this city from Psachim Gimel Amr Beis. Psachim Gimel Amr Beis, a famous Maeser, the Rehudim and Becerra, where a guy was going to Eretz Yisrael, pretending he was a Jew, and eating from the carbon Pesach. And he told the Rabbi Yehuda ben Maseira, so Rabbi Maseira need to send a message to the Chachmei Yisrael. And he said, how come, to ask them, why don't they give you from the Aliyah, the fatty tail bone, so to speak, of the, of the animal. And when he got there, he said, how come you're not giving me the best part of the animal? And they realized something's up here. And they said, who told you to ask for that? Because there is no Aliyah on a Keves. So therefore, on a, on a carbon Pesach. Uh, so therefore, they, um, they, um, 
the I'm sorry, the alia is burnt on the mizbeach. It's not eaten. So it's the, well, that's what I meant. It's not on carbon pesach. I mean, it's not eaten on carbon pesach. So he said, So they realized he's a guy. So they sent him a message, and they said that you're sitting in itzivim. But your net is spread over in Yerushalayim. So he went in Itzivin to the kever of Rabbi Yehuda ben Becerra. And if you look over there in Ben Yehayad, the Psachim, Gimel Medbez, and the Akimara, he writes, There is a Kabbalah in the in the in the uh, the inhabitants of the city of Nitzivim, Asher Bihudim and Maseira cover at slum. Their Bihudim and Maseira is buried there. Vano Avdo and I, Betof Reish Chavtes. I went to Eretz Yisrael, Uvechazarasi, on my way back, Bossi, I came to Nitzivim, Vizochisi, Lenashik, Avnei Hatziyah, and I was able to kiss the uh, monument, Vilamaditi Sham Hamaimar Hazen. He says, I learned this Gemara of the Ant Benitzivim, Umutsudasek Perusa Birshalayim. He learned that Gemara at the cavern of Rabbi Huda Ben Beseira. He finally got back to Baghdad in Elul of Tafresh Chavtes. And he brought back from Eretz Yisrael some stones and some dirt. The stone he put into the wall of the shul. He set it into the wall and anyone who passed by that stone would kiss it knowing this is a stone from Eretz Yisrael. He brought back some dirt, bags of dirt, that he spread on the dirt floor of the shul. Now, you have to understand something here. There was a Messira in Baghdad for years that the Gemara Megillah tells us that the Shechina was Gala Lebavel. Megillah Chavtes will be coming up in a few days in the Daf Hayoimi. And the Gemara says, where is the Shechina Shaira in Bavel? The Gemara says, in the Beis of Shof V'Yosef. In a special shul called Beis of Shof V'Yosef. That's where the Shechina is. And Rashi says, how was that shul built? When Yechania HaMelech, when Yechania was exiled before Chorban by Yisrishan, he took from the dirt and the stones of Yerushalayim and they brought it to Galos and they, they built a shul out of it. L'kayim, Rashi says, the pasuk Kiratsa avadecha es that your, 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 um, your servants wanted its stones and its dirt. In other words, we still appreciate Yerushalayim, we took it with us. And this is also a Gemara in uh, Rosh Hashanah, Chavdal, Naman Beis, Avaydazar, and Gimel, Amud Beis as well. So there was a Kabbalah in Baghdad that that shul was actually the main shul of Baghdad. The great synagogue of Baghdad was this shul of Shof V'Yosef from the times of Yechon Melech. So Bechlal, the, according to the Messiah, the shul was built from the stones and dirt of Eretz Yisrael. And now when Rabbi Yosef Chaim came back, he brought another stone, put it in the wall, people would kiss it, and he spread out dirt on the floor. Now he had a bunch of brothers, Rabbi Yosef Chaim, Reb Nissim, Reb Moshe, Reb Chesko, Reb Sason, they were very rich, wealthy people, and they supported him, and they gave him money for tzedakah, and that's one of the reasons he never had to take a job, official job in Baghdad. Um, in the year 1882, Kislev of 1882, they, had, they lost all their money, and their debtors threw them into jail. Now, Rabbi Yitzhak Chaim got thrown into jail as well, because the brothers, for the covet of Rabbi Yitzhak Chaim, all the years of their business, had made a signet ring with his signature on it, L'chvoi He wasn't involved in the business at all, but his name was signed on every single document. So when the judges were looking at uh, who's responsible for all this, they saw his signature, so they threw him in jail. They threw him in jail. Um, they threw him in jail. Now, his brothers... Um, 
Now, he was in jail only for 30 days. His brothers were in jail for over a year. But while he was there, he wrote tefillahs to get out, and he wrote a Sefer on Kabbalah in those 30 days. Um, and it took 30 days until they figured out that it was just uh, his signature. He wasn't involved. They let him out. Now, the, uh, the uh, warden of the jail, Matzachein Be'enov, and this is another similarity to him and Yosef HaTzadik, thrown into jail, and the Sar Beis HaAsurim was mechabed him very much, just like um, Yosef HaTzadik. <coughs> now, during that year, his mother was nifter from the pain that her children were thrown in jail, Zion of 1882. His mother was nifter, and uh, Rabbi Yosef Chaim was very upset about the Tsaris in his life. And when he got out of jail, he actually went into seclusion for seven years. From 1882 to 1889, he went into seclusion. During those years, in 1886, there was actually some fires in his house for four times in one week. But he secluded himself. He didn't give any drushes for those years. He didn't write any letters or any chuvas. There's nothing from those seven years. Until the year 1889, Yud Tes Elul, that his Rebbe, Rebbe Abdullah Soymech, was nifter, and he came out to be maspidim, and once he was maspidim, he resumed his drushas and everything that he was doing. But at this point, he was now left a very poor person, he had no money. Now, all the years, he was very connected with the Sassoon family in Bombay. Um, Flora Sassoon was a young Amana who had an empire, her husband's empire, and that she, her husband was Nifter Young, and she had this empire, and she would send a, a Heinrav of money to him all the years for Tztaka. In fact, he wrote her a letter that they needed a roof on the, on the shul, because he describes his drushes over there, thousands of people, and it's boiling hot, and, uh, but he, he didn't ask her for any money. He didn't want to be nene from anyone. One of the Rabbanim in Baghdad saw what was going on and wrote a letter to her and said anonymously, he said he's going to be upset if I write it, but I can't let it go by. Rabbi Yisif Chaim has no money and won't ask anyone for any money. She ended up sending money to him and he was, it bothered him very much that he had to come on um, to other people. Just an interesting side note that when Rabbi Abdullah Saimich was nifter, it was during a cholera epidemic. And because of that, the government did not allow anyone to be buried because they were afraid of disease in the regular Beis HaKvaris, which was near the community. So what are they going to do with Rabdallah Saimek? So the governor gave Rishus to bury him in the courtyard of the Kever of Yeshua Kayin Gadol. In Baghdad, there's the Kever of Yeshua Kayin Gadol, and to bury him in there, in that, uh, in that place. But the Arabs were very upset about it, and they... Uh, and they, they started hitting them, and eventually they were able to bury him in that, uh, in, the, in that courtyard. But they went to complain to the governor and said, you gave us Rishus, and this mob came against us. And then the governor turned on them, and he said, no, you're talking, not allowed, to, uh, not allowed to, uh, to bury him there. And he took the leaders of the city, and he threw them in jail, and the Arabs saw that the governor was now on their side, and they went on a whole uh, pogrom and, and pillage throughout the, vi- the, the city, and destroying stuff, and, stro- and, and everyone had, was afraid of them. <coughs> the Jews were very upset, and they wrote um, a letter to Constantinople, to the king, or to whoever, the, uh, the government, and they actually uh, they removed the governor from his, uh, from his position because of what he did. But Lemaisa, in order to appease the Arabs, they said that they have to take Rav Abdullah out of the kever where he was in the Chatzar of Rabbi Shua Kohen Gadol and move him to the regular Beis HaKvaris. And they did that. And even though it was three months after his Petira, they thought they'll have to have uh, spices and good smelling things. Lemaisa, they took him out as if he was laying in a bed. 
um, fresh as if the day he was nifter. And uh, Rabbi Yisif Chaim was masbid him again um, when they reinterred him in the, uh, in the regular Beis HaKvaris. As he got older, he got weaker. In Rav Pa'alim, Chelek Dalid, Evan Ezra, Simintas, Tshuva, um, he writes a Tshuva on dated Tez Zayin of, of 1909. He writes, I saw the Shiloh about the get. He says, But I'm not healthy enough to be able to be Ma'ayin properly, but he still gives an opinion on what he thinks. A little bit later, so that was Tezayinov, a few weeks later on Hey Elul, he decided to travel, a two-day travel, a two-day journey um, to, um, to a city where, Kafil, I think it's called, where's the kever of Yechezkel Hanavi. Yechezkel Hanavi's kever. And he went there, and his way back, he was in a city called Hala, which had a very good, uh, pleasant, the air was good there, especially since he was weak, place especially was also seemed to have been a uh, tiring journey he was able to rest a little bit and he got very sick and on Yud Gimel Elul he was nifter in this city of Hala and um, Yud Gimel Elul so his Talmud in Akdama to Chelek Beis Ben Yishchayel writes Chamishim Shana Shleimus Etzmimus for 50 years complete years he judged Bnei Yisrael because he became Yoshev Akiseir Abonus Yud Gimel Elul, because you remember his father was Nifter Zayin Elul, so the Shiva ends Yud Gimel Elul, so he became Rav Yud Gimel Elul of Tuf Reish Yudtes, and he was Nifter on Yud Gimel Elul Tuf Reish Samachtes, 50 years he was Shevet Klai Yisrael. They uh, brought his body on Tesvav Elul to Baghdad, and they buried him, his uh, the Shmua went out to the entire world. They were they were they mourned him in Yerushalayim in Svas. A British paper in England had an obituary about him, and uh, he was buried in the cemetery in Baghdad. Um, he printed many svarim during his lifetime, or, or uh, I say many, but a number of svarim during his lifetime. But he left over close to 80 svarim in manuscript form after he was nifter. Some of them were printed after his patira. Others were lost. Um, his grandson, when he left Baghdad in the year 1972, was not able to take all the manuscripts out of Baghdad. And he put them in the shul. 51 bags, I'm sorry, he put these manuscripts in the shul together with 51 bags of svarim from his library. Besef Chaim had a very big library as well. In 1976, the Iraqi government um, confiscated everything and they put it in the government buildings of, uh, in, 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 uh, in Baghdad. And in the year uh, 2003, when the Americans came into Baghdad, they totally destroyed that government building. The cellar where all the Svarim and manuscripts were became full of water and many of the Svarim and manuscripts were damaged or ruined. Whatever was salvageable, they actually sent to the Library of Congress and to different museums. So there are some Kisfeyodas out there. But that is the Ben Ishchai. Many of his farms still haven't been printed. Some continue to be printed, Rabbi Yaakov Hillel. In, uh, with his Mechon, Avat Shalom, they print many of the Svarim, and they continue to print many of the Svarim of the Ben Ishchai. But this is Rebbe Chaim of Baghdad, the Ben Ishchai. Again, Nifter Yud Gimel Elul, Tafrei Shamech Tes, 1909. Schusa Yogin Aleinu, Ve'al Kol Yisrael. Have a wonderful day, everybody. Kol Tov.